Welcome one and all to another edition of the Mind of Little Rage. It is Sunday, October 11th, 2020. Before we get into today's program, I want to apologize for not having more episodes uploaded this past week. I have been busy trying to uh, acquire gainful employment. Uh, some things have come into my possession that will allow me to uh, to expand my job search. So uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, I'll be able to get that gainful employment and get back on track with way the the episodes should be going with with interviews and everything like that, get back to full power. So without any further ado, let's cue the intro music and get on with today's show. day I read a post on Twitter that immediately caught my attention. It was a question posed by Faust, a very talented band from Nashville, Tennessee. And if you're unfamiliar with them, make sure you go and check them out. They are certainly worth your time. The question posed is quite simply, was the music industry better without the internet? The question was followed up by a statement and a secondary question, quoting, The internet lets anyone be heard, talent or not, but the industry before was controlled by the gatekeepers. So is it the freedom of the internet or the quality control of the gatekeepers? Now, I naturally assumed that the gatekeepers were record labels, A&R reps, MTV, and radio stations. And, of course, I posted my own input to the question because, one, it's a valid question to raise, and two, I'm an overly opinionated SOB. And as I see it, the gatekeepers were really, really not good at their job, and this is especially true in the 80s and 90s, subpar bands and songs were forced down our throats, especially by MTV and terrestrial radio. I mean, currently I, I, it would be comparable to the WWE trying to force us to cheer for John Cena or Roman Reigns. Typically, the record labels were responsible for choosing the lead single from an album. With this, it seemed that the choice of song by the infinite geniuses that these uh, record companies have, but these, these songs that they would choose were the weakest song from the album, and this was used for the lead single. 
And also during the 80s, you could almost guarantee that the second or third single from a hair metal band was going to be a damn power ballad. Let's take, for instance, the band Poison. On their 1988 release, Open Up and Say Ah, the third single from the album was the nauseating Every Rose Has Its Thorn. Now, to the song's credit, it has stood the test of time and can still be heard fairly regularly on classic rock radio and in commercials. I mean, for God's sakes, it was even, uh, it made an appearance in a Dave Chappelle skit with John Mayer. The song lasted about 15 minutes with me before I grew completely tired of the song. Not only is the song nauseatingly sappy, but it was overplayed by radio and MTV. And there are countless songs spanning the entirety of hard rock and metal that have been given this treatment. November Rain from Guns N' Roses, Heaven from Warrant, The Ballad of Jane by L.A. Guns, and the list just continues on. I mean, hell, MTV even tried to do that to Metallica's one video. Although, that story is a little bit different because it was the first music video from Metallica, and by no means is one a power ballad. Now, of the hair metal bands I listed previously, there's only one that I can say I, say I still admire and listen to on a regular basis, and that one band is L.A. Guns. I mean, I fucking love L.A. Guns. I tolerated the Ballad of Jane, really, for a lot longer than I probably should have, simply because it was L.A. Guns. But looking back, were these songs the best choice for a single? Was the choice of a single based on a musical and talent standpoint? Or was it a cash grab by the record labels? Of course, I'm going to lead to the cash grab point of view, I mean, like it or not, power ballads sold in the late 80s. Maybe an individual that only listened to country music would find the power ballads a little more palatable, which in turn could potentially lead to increased record sales. I mean, how many times have you gone into a record store and bought an album for just one song? You've only heard one song off the album, and you immediately went and bought it. In my life, more times than I care to admit, I have done that. And most times, I wound up spending 12 to $15 for one song because the rest of the album was complete rubbish. And in my humble opinion, the gatekeepers failed miserably in their job. I mean, the internet was not really a factor in the distribution of music, at least not yet. Now, we still made mixed tapes and mixed CDs, and I can remember listening to the radio for hours with the blank cassette in the tape deck with my hand on the record buttons when a song I liked came on the radio. It was tedious and not a really great way to be able to listen to your favorite songs on demand. Radio usually didn't play the song to completion, and you had to endure the obnoxious DJ talking over the first 15 seconds of the songs. It was ridiculous. Or you had to borrow the tape from a friend and dub the cassette, uh, dub the cassette tape onto a, a blank tape. And that only worked if you had a double tape deck on your boombox. Yes, I know I'm dating myself. I'm older than hell. The gatekeepers 
wanted the revenue from radio and MTV airplay. It was not about putting a band's best effort forward. This is not to say that sometimes these gatekeepers would let a really good single slip out onto the radio. Unfortunately, by this point, they had muddied the waters to the point where if it was not a power ballad by that second or third release, it was almost doomed to get less airplay and chart below what the record company expected it to be. And back then, the Billboard Top 200 Singles Chart was still the measuring stick. The record companies were so focused on the money aspect, they forced bands to write and record songs that are simply garbage. And we've all probably heard the song Cherry Pie from the band Warrant. The album, for the most part, is, is garbage. It's complete shit. The alone exception is the track Uncle Tom's Cabin, which consequently was the original name of the album and the original proposed lead single from the album. It would have done well, but the record company told the band, hey, we don't hear a single on this album. So Janie Lane, lead singer of Warrant, was forced to write a radio-friendly song to release as the lead single. The song Cherry Pie was born. The record company loved it so much, the name of the entire album was changed from Uncle Tom's Cabin to Cherry Pie. Janie Lane would say in later years that it was the worst song he ever wrote and regrets writing it. And the mindset of the gatekeepers also kept over really talented bands from reaching their full potential on a success level. Of course, to me, the most glaring example of this is King's X. I still rack my brain as to why King's X was not and is not one of the biggest bands on the face of the earth. They have consistently released stellar albums for over 30 years. Back in the day, it was like pulling teeth to get them played on the radio. Even the legendary Rock 101 KLOL here in Houston did not play King's X. In the many years I listened to that radio station, I heard King's X played one time. And it was at 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, for fuck's sake, King's X was based in Houston. Ty Tabor lived in Katy. And they refused to give them any airtime. And yes, it still pisses me off to this day because it continues to happen. Other bands also suffered a fate much like King's X, Galactic Cowboys, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, Big Wreck, Thornley, Caius. And I could continue, but it would be a 15-hour long episode and you don't want to listen to that. The problem is, even with the advantage of the internet and digital streaming services, quality bands with outstanding music are still largely minimalized, if not completely ignored. Which leads to the musical product of today. Record companies have taken a backseat in the gatekeeper role. But now, we have DSP services like Spotify and Apple trying to tell us what we should listen to. As with the failure of the record companies in the past, these DSP services will try to force songs and bands down our throats. Last time I checked, 
the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. What they're doing is insanity. If I go to Spotify right now and I look at the suggestions for me that are supposedly based off my playlists, what I listen to, I still get shit like Cardi B and the, her abomination of a song, WAP. I mean, can I make it any more clear that this song is an insult to each and every musician in every genre of music? But, but Rage, didn't Wasp have a song called Animal Fuck Like a Beast in the 80s? Yeah, they sure as fuck did. But the song actually had talent associated with it. I cannot, with any integrity or sincerity, say the same thing for Cardi B. And I would venture to say that even though there is more music available to us through the internet, the majority of it, the majority of it is good. There is, there's substance to it. I mean, we have bands like Agency Panic, The Shite Hawks, Eye of Doom, Falling Into Red, Brutality, so high, Cream Camino, and every band I have had on these, this show. These bands are here. They're waiting to be heard and discovered by a fan base that is starved for real musical talent. Something that connects with them on a mental or spiritual level. The music is there for the choosing. But do the DSP services do anything to promote these talented bands? Hell no! Spotify will go out of their way to promote artists that have limited to no talent. YouTube is really no help either. Now, do you, do you, any of you remember the afterbirth of a song called It's Friday by Rebecca Black? It was released on YouTube over nine years ago. And this horrible song, to date, has over 146 million views while 10 years ago Atlantic Records posted the video for the King's X song Black Flag on YouTube to date the song has only generated 496,000 views with the internet there are many musicians or artists that can release their music to the entire world by themselves Without the help of a record company, there's no labels, there's, there's nothing behind them but themselves. Many of these songs are just not any good. There is no integrity to the music, but they still get more views and listens on YouTube and the DSP services than bands that have integrity, talent, and heart like Sincere or Demon Scar. Why does this continue to happen? The record companies have lost their control of the industry, well, at least compared to previous decades. There's exponentially more music to discover. But why does this continue? Does it continue to go unnoticed or ignored? There are many podcasts and websites dedicated to spreading the word about these bands. I've been doing my best with this show for over a year, and I do not know if I have truly brought a measurable increase of exposure to the bands I have brought on this show. I can only hope that I have, but I still have the lingering thought that I may not have been successful in doing so. 
and and maybe I have unrealistic goals, but I want to make sure that the bands I feature get the notice they deserve. I want every independent and underground band I have on the show to be the next big thing, to be included on a playlist that has millions of listeners on Spotify. But when you dig a little deeper, it's not that the podcasts, websites, and social media has necessarily failed. It's the listener. Now, 15 years ago, I would I have searched out who was in the underground or who was independent? To be honest, no. If there was a band that didn't have a CD or vinyl album in the brick-and-mortar record store, I wouldn't have taken the time to look to see what was who they were, what they were about, what they sounded like. They were in the underground, and my thought process is, much like many of the fans is today, they probably deserve to be in the underground. Nobody's going to listen to it. We live and we learn. I am by no means saying that the potential listener is stupid. Far from it. I'm saying that listeners have become complacent and lazy. The mindset is usually, why would I have to spend the time looking for a new band to listen to? If they're any good, they'll be recommended to me by Apple or Spotify. We all know that's not going to happen, at least in most cases. That I mean, Think about it. That's more money that the DSP services would have to pay in royalties. And from their standpoint, that just simply cannot happen. And another mindset is, I checked out a band that was highly recommended by such and such, and it sounded like two pigs having sex in the backseat of a Prius with a hole in the muffler. So the listener feels almost betrayed and simply does not take any recommendation into consideration. And lastly, if it's not on the radio or on the Spotify Top 10, I'm not going to check it out. Not very good arguments for not checking out independent and underground artists. Yes, there is music out there that is not very good that gets noticed. There is also fantastic music that goes completely ignored. What you or I think is good may not appeal to the next person. And we are not the be-all, end-all of the music industry. And I can sit here comfortably and confidently tell you that I think Takashi 69 and Cardi B are complete garbage as musical artists. But there are multitudes of people who enjoy their music. I'm still scratching my head trying to understand that, but whatever. Even the bad music has an audience. I am one who believes that if a band continues to operate with integrity, heart, and dedication, it will pay off at some point. It may not be next month or maybe even next year. But staying true to the vision you have will make a huge difference. As independent and underground bands of the hard rock and heavy metal genres, you have a steep hill to climb. I know many of the bands do this because they love what they do. They do it because it's a part of who they are. It's in their DNA. They're not producing music to make millions of dollars and live a lavish lifestyle. And in the grand scheme of things, that really only happens to a small percentage of artists. Also, to an extent, heavy metal is seen by many as not compatible with society, even today. That's why there are not as many terrestrial radio stations that broadcast 
a purely heavy metal or hard rock format. Advertisers dictate what is played on the radio. Now, I'm glad that Sirius XM have dedicated channels to hard rock and metal. I would love to see them expand to include a channel that plays independent bands exclusively. And if anybody from Sirius XM is listening, I'd like to send my application to be a host on such a channel. In the music landscape of today, there is really no quality control. Anyone can release a song. But is that necessarily a bad thing? Maybe. Maybe not. The final judge and jury of what is good or bad is the individual listener. The music that is universally disliked will not be appreciated in most cases. The music that is liked by a majority of individuals will almost always be more successful, maybe not as successful as Iron Maiden or Black Sabbath or Led Zeppelin, but it will be successful. This, is, this does not mean that bands should cater to a specific group of people. Do not change what you're doing just to be successful. And if that happens, true music fans will see through the facade and call you out on it. Because at the end of the day, the gatekeepers, it's not the record labels. It's not the DSP services. It's not YouTube. The gatekeepers are now the listeners. I don't know if that actually answered any question, but these are the thoughts that I had on it. Uh, It's a great question. I welcome conversation on this. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit up Faust on Twitter. Put your two cents in on uh, on the question. Let me know what you think. It was the music industry better before the internet came and DSP services took over everything? Or is it better now? What are your thoughts? I hope you enjoyed this program. Uh, Again, I apologize for not having more content put up this week. Uh, Hopefully, this next week, I will uh, be able to uh, continue putting up content on a regular basis. Thank you again for listening. Continue your support of the local music scenes. And uh, hopefully tomorrow, I will have a... I'm not sure how long the episode's going to be, but... There have been some developments with um, the opening of bars and music venues here in in the Houston area that I think uh, needs to be addressed. And I'm not sure if it's happening in other states, but uh, something we all need to discuss and be aware of. So make sure you check out tomorrow's episode. And until then, take care of yourself. Be safe. Be healthy. Be happy. Until next time, this is Little Rage, out.